the conversation about return to office should not have to be a battle to win. It, it really should be going back to listening. Let's talk to our team members. Let's identify business needs. So we're not saying let's just do what they want. We're talking about listen to business needs, what's working, what's not working. And let's make decisions that are based on the work group. Let's communicate it in such a way that it doesn't feel like a directive or a punishment, but rather an invitation uh, to connect and to collaborate and to innovate in some of those awesome things that you missed, Devin, about the office, the in-person office. And a friend recently gave me advice uh, for dealing with my teenager. Um, and I thought it was really funny as I thought about her response um, because I think it relates to leaders too. So when my son asks me to do things, sometimes it's just not uh, the best way that he's asking me. And so she told me to use the phrase, ask me again to make me want to do it. Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to Talent Experience Live. I am your host, Devin Foster. We are covering today is what's your worth it? Um, I know that sounds a little open-ended, but today we're going to talk about uh, really unveiling the transformation in the employee experience. I am joined by a very special guest, Becky Feldman, uh, who is Senior Employee Experience Designer. We are going to talk uh, a little bit about our ourselves, uh, what our worth it is, as well as some hot button issues across HR and, and specifically in the employee experience today. So without any further hesitation, let's bring Becky onto the program. Becky, how are you? I am good. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Uh, happy, happy to have you. Uh, it has been... Um, it, you know, one of those things that I don't think anyone's used to. I saw was at HR Tech last week and there was a vendor saying, uh, not selling, but giving away shirts that said you're on mute. Um, it's a tricky thing. I understand we practice it, but it's okay. We we will make it through it. Um, I'm, I'm doing well. It's been a, a while. We've had you on. You're now a recurring guest to the program. Um, and You've been busy. Um, you have authored a chapter in, in a new book. Uh, it, tell us a little bit about it. The is called Deconstructing Grit, and it was compiled by Jennifer Bardot, who is CEO of Own Your Grit. And grit stands for growth, resilience, intention, and tenacity. And so I was a part of the Intention Anthology. If you are looking this up right now, uh, tenacity has not been released yet. And I think November 1st um, is when that one will be released. Um, but I was asked to participate in book number three, um, along with 39 other women who really have taken the time to share inspiring stories, life stories of how they've listened to their own internal compass, uh, really focusing on positive habits and leading life with purpose. And one of the first things that we were asked to do um, when we signed up for the chapter was really think about what does intention mean to us? Um, and there was a, there's a lot of definitions of intention. And the one that I like best that speaks to me most is purpose. Uh, purpose gives us meaning, it gives us clarity, it gives us direction. Um, and in my chapter, which is titled Stop Wishing, Start Doing, um, I share how I never really had a clear path. However, I always had purpose driving me there, wherever there was. Um, my career, if you look me up on LinkedIn, you'll see that I've been kind of all over the place uh, with just two organizations, but lots of different roles um, and also involved with several community organizations. Um, and I'm always asked, how does this all fit together? Like, why are you doing all of this? Um, 
it's all really aligned with my values. Um, and my values are actually written up on a post-it note here um, in my home office, um, but it, it's the way that I evaluate all decisions. Um, my values are faith, community, relationships, family, and health. And if I had to bottle all of that up, it would be making a difference. Um, but I didn't always operate this way. Um, I had a boss back in my 20s um, who told me that I burned the wick at both ends. Um, and some people might still think I do that, um, but I am more intentional of how I fill my life um, now and, and what I say yes to. So um, in my chapter, you'll also see that, you know, I've had some pretty significant life experience, as many of us have, that really helped me kind of refocus and reshape my priorities um, in order to, to live the life that's intended for me. Um, and my dad passed away when I was in high school. Um, so I was, I was young, I was a teen trying to figure out what the heck am I gonna do? Um, and a friend's mom gave me a quote, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, and that was, do not go where the path may lead, go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. Um, and looking back, I think I've, I've done that. Um, and then I'm gonna leave you with another quote. You'll read my chapter and know that I love quotes and I'll probably say a bunch more <laughs> throughout our time today. Um, but one of my favorite uh, human beings on the planet, uh, one of my former leaders and mentors retired a few years ago. And he gave me a bookmark uh, with this quote, and it says, do not ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that. And that is by Reverend Howard Thurman. And I know when I first read that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's super selfish. Um, but when you really read into it, it's not. Um, it's about intentionally living into your gifts uh, to serve the world in the best way possible. Um, when you do something that you love, you end up having more to give. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit when we kind of talk about changing team member uh, expectations and experiences. Yeah, no, no I, 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 I love, love that. that. Um, the one thing that that I wanted to, to mention is you you said your purpose is is on a, a post-it note. Um, I I want to know, why don't you have it framed? Why isn't it someplace, you know, up, up on the wall, you know? the Etsy shop or something. I love the accessibility of it where you can take it on the go. You can use it as an impromptu bookmark or something like that. But before I jump into my, my next question, I wanted to, to ask you, is there any reason behind the, the post-it note? You know, um, I believe in writing uh, and putting things down, but I will tell you, and I don't know if you guys can see my water bottle. I do have my purpose and messaging in different places. And this says, may we leave all things better than we found them. So if I had to bottle up the things that are on the post-it note over there, it's making a difference. It's making an impact. And then it's also on um, these posters behind me. So it's woven into everything that I do. Um, and usually I'm wearing jewelry that says something like that too, because I'm always reminding myself of um, this is who I am. This is what, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing so that I make sure that I'm carrying my light. No, I, I totally, totally get it. Um, and I love that it, that it is everywhere. Um, I do a similar thing. I have tattoos now, which are my reminder for me. Um, a few that signify my daughter and stuff like that. And whether I'm running or whatever it may be, it's just a, a friendly reminder. And to your point of writing things down, it, it brings me back to my days of, of studying in college and in high school where I was you know, sitting next to folks with laptops and things like that, taking down notes. I was always a pen and paper person. I still am to this day. If I'm on a call, that's how I 
can remember things and I'm able to pick up on things that, that folks are saying um, that I may not write down because I that's my focus. We, we have so many distractions going on in the world constantly. So um, that is that is my little thing. But back to the book, um, you mentioned 39 women uh, or took part in this book and, and each had, you know, very different stories to tell. I want to ask, what was the collaboration process like for that? Um, I think back to collaborating, you know, in, in college on writing assignments and things like that. It wasn't the best experience. I'm a far better collaborator now in a professional setting. So uh, how was that? And then also, you know, what did you learn from from the other wonderful women who are a part of this this book uh, that you've applied to, to your life now? Yeah. Um, so Jen has a pretty kind of nailed down process of, of how this works. You know, when she um, identifies and, and, and works with the authors, we all come together um, to talk uh, first. So it's not like, here's your, you know, the, here's your chapter and here's what it's going to be about. You actually will meet and talk with the other women um, and share your stories. Um, because I think a lot of the times we have these stories in us, um, but we have never said it out loud. Um, and so by having that community and that, um, that was kind of pre-work actually to, to meet the other women and start to talk about it, that helped shape what was going to then come out on paper. Um, and so I would say what I learned from the other authors um, is that we all have a story. Um, I love stories. Um, you'll see storytelling is something that's really, really important to me. And I don't mean storytelling as making up stories. I mean sharing our life stories. Um, so I learned from the other authors, authors, we all have a story and we all have a purpose. And unlike what many have been told, purpose isn't necessarily a thing that you find. Um, it's not something that you just wake up one day and you're like, I know it, this is it. Um, some people call that the Mark Twain moment, um, but that's actually pretty rare. Um, and there's a lot of uh, research and books around that that I can share. Um, but purpose is something that you build, something that you create, something that you tap into. It's also not necessarily a single thing. And purpose can change over time. And so these stories that I heard from these women were um, really around following their internal compass and navigating change. Um, and sometimes I think when we share these stories, um, it gives others the courage to share theirs and also to make changes that they need to make in their lives. Um, I also think that stories lead to deeper connection. Um, I'm trying to remember who said this. I think it was Patty Dye. She said, um, the shortest distance between two people is a story. Um, and I really do believe that's true, uh, whether you're at a networking event or whether you're team building, whatever it may be. Um, I just think we need a whole lot more of that in our increasingly disconnected world. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I think of, uh, you know, back to, to COVID and, and any situation that you may be going through. Oftentimes we look at the, our coworkers, our, our friends, our family and think, oh, they're going through the same thing. Like they're overcoming it, right? COVID's the perfect example where we were all kind of sent back home. We had to do our, our lives and it was a challenge for a lot of folks, uh, it, whether they may have had, you know, elderly folks who lived in the house with them, whether they had children to take care of, whether they had health concerns or they fell ill, all of these things were happening. And to your point, you don't know that unless you share, unless you talk. And there was a huge shift on focusing on mental health, I think, during that time frame and, and uh, you know, getting outside and enjoying the environment, stepping away from your computer. I was the worst proponent of this. I would wake up, you know, at 
8.45, log in at, at 9, make sure I kind of look presentable with my sweatpants on and then stay on for the rest of the day. And I, I thought, well, everyone else is doing it, but we were, you know, uh, balancing a, a child at home. There was, you know, two of us working and I, we live in the city. So it was a two bedroom apartment. One of us is in the living room. The other person has a meeting. It's back and forth. And the only way that you can seek help for those sort of things is to share your story and and ask if there may be somebody else who's in a similar situation and have those adjustments made. But the reason I, I mentioned COVID is I want to ask you, what do you think has been the biggest shift you know, from that time frame when it comes to the employee experience as a whole? Yeah. And I think you've hit on it there is that we all have something going on. Um, so I think the biggest shift um, is how team members are really reevaluating life and work. Um, and I want you to hear this clearly, because when I say that, I, I'm very clear of how I say that we're reevaluating life and work. And I don't mean life versus work, um, but really more of um, how are they best integrated to satisfy the whole human? Um, because when you talk about work-life balance, and I know that's been a word that's, you know, been out there forever, um, it, it puts the human in the middle and it creates a bit of a conflict, um, just that you described, Devin, <laughs> with uh, the kid and your wife and trying to, to that, that actually can't be balanced. It just has to be integrated. You got to work through it um, and you guys will, will, will figure it out, but, but it, it's not a balance and it, it's an integration. So think of it more of as, uh, of, as a blend um, and really how do team members lean into all of the aspects that make them whole, um, including their occupation. So it's more than work. Um, and I think we have some generational conflict here that's, that's popping up because this isn't necessarily how all of us grew up. Um, our newest generations um, in the workforce want to work to live um, and not live to work. Um, so when you first started, you said, you know, what is your worth it? And a lot of people are thinking, well, what the heck does that mean um, when it comes to employee experience? So I wanted to explain that just a little bit because mm -hmm. I think this is the shift that has happened. Um, our experience during COVID led many of us to have, you know, some pretty significant questions that we're asking ourselves um, around how we spend our time, you know, and are we spending our time in meaningful ways? So maybe the question sounded something like, um, am, am I focusing on the things that are most important to me? Am I living an authentic life or am I just doing what people expect of me? Um, and am I, am I doing meaningful work? Um, I think questions like this are what contributed to the great resignation and the great reshuffle and the great whatever. I mean, there were so many words <laughs> that were uh, made up um, and some say COVID caused it. I think COVID just accelerated it. I think it's been brewing for a while. Um, so even if you didn't change jobs, um, maybe your focus or priorities changed because you started to evaluate your worth it. And so when you think about your worth it, this, this is a question actually that came to me when I was listening to a panel talk about uh, what love has to do with it when it comes to best places to work. And it really came down to what's worth it. Um, and everyone's worth it is different. Um, and it's critical that we listen and we learn uh, to what team members want and need, what makes something worth it for them, because they're willing to make changes because of it. Um, we're seeing it in how offers are negotiated. You know, our, our newer generations are wanting more time off versus pay. They're wanting meaningful work. Um, they want to make decisions on where they work. And I'm sure you can think of a million more examples of what worth it looks like. 
Um, but the team member experience matters more now than ever. Um, and organizations that um, recognize this and take care of their team members, it's gonna lead to greater retention, it's gonna lead to um, greater customer scores, uh, satisfaction scores, and um, also improve talent attraction efforts because the story that people are hearing is that it's worth it. Um, and again, that can look different to anybody. So I wanted to share a little bit of my worth it. Um, my list is long um, and that's because I know what I want. Um, and I'm not going to settle for anything less. Um, and it, so it's really around, you know, working at a place where my ideas are considered um, and oftentimes people can add to and improve it. Um, what's worth it to me is a place where people actually live out their culture and are held accountable to behaviors. Um, a place where uh, team members can build relationships like actual genuine human relationships, both internally and externally. Um, and then lastly, and in no particular order, it's where my well-being and my family is a priority. Um, that's huge to me. I didn't always work in an organization where um, family was valued and that, you know, I, I, I felt that I couldn't take time off work. I even had a, a boss at one time um, when my kids were really young and they're older now, but she said, can't you take him to a sick daycare? And I'm like, I don't think that exists. <laughs> um, but I was a young professional and being told things like that. And that's not okay um, to me. Um, you know, I would get my work done um, even though my child was sick. So I, I did it, um, but a sick daycare wasn't an option <laughs> for us. So. Um, Devin, I know you made some transitions uh, during COVID, so would love to to hear your experience. Yeah, my uh, life was was flipped upside down a little bit, as I think many of ours ours were. But um, I, you know, had my first child uh, in August of 2021, so not at the, the beginning of of COVID, but we were we were locked in. I couldn't go to doctor's visits. I couldn't, you know, do numerous things, um, but then you know my my little bundle of joy came came into our life and it puts things into perspective um where you think of you know when you go to work it, it may not be just for a paycheck or it may not just be for the happy hour or whatever it may be it is it, to provide the best life that you can for your your and a little bit of a a freak out i think as as most parents do the first time where uh, you know, they, they hand you your child, you leave the hospital. And now it's like, oh, I, I have to look after a human being. Now I am responsible for this. And um, I evaluated work and obviously stress is at an all time high and things like that. And, and fortunately, unfortunately, however you want to call it, I decided it was time to to change jobs. Um, so I, I, I went away and I thought to myself, I found a role where I can work remote all the time. That way I am able for daycare. And since there is no sick daycare, as you you put out, if my daughter was sick, I could stay home and, or she could you know, be there with me and we could aid her to, to good health. Um, but what I found was th the work from home wasn't for me. It, I could do it when we were all forced to to work from home. Uh, however, I need that that human interaction, that integration that you kind of talked about between work life balance. Uh, I love the company culture that I am a, a part of at Phenom, and I boomeranged back and I said I miss. You know, I, I still stayed in touch with everyone, but I miss going to work with them where. 
I could hop on a, a Zoom call if we were working from home on that Monday or Friday or wherever it was. And I could talk uh, about something that was off topic and everyone would kind of understand. So I, I say all that because I found my, my worth it in my daughter. And at first, I interpreted it the wrong way. And I think a lot of people may do that where they have that moment of, I have to figure everything out for the next 30 years and, and plan it out. But to your point, so many individual stories are so different that you have to find out what works for you. And I think, as, as you mentioned, organizations have to do that as well, where there is no one size fits all as there may used to have been years and years ago. I was uh, I had Amit Parmar, the CEO of Clickify on, on TXL last week, and we talked about the shift from the the company long employee that person that works for 20 to 30 years um in the same sort of role and kind of works their way up and to your point becky i think you're a perfect example that individual may not have changed but the roles may have changed the um requirements for their particular position may have changed and what they're looking for you could have somebody who comes into an organization who you know wants to be a salesperson and then they lose that that that's a tough job. They lose that fire of, of that. And they say, I want to now be in customer success or something along those lines. So uh, that's, that's my worth it. It looks like um, you had some thoughts there. We, we put you on mute for a second. So I'm going to, I'm going to unmute you and bring you back on. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that, you know, that is, you know, when you think about how can you retain, you know, team members in this environment where, you know, it's growing and changing and shifting, um, you know, we don't necessarily have the 30 year team members anymore in, in some organizations, but but some we do. And the ones that are able to retain talent over the long term, really embrace that talent mobility and really listening uh, to what team members want and need. So again, it goes back to listening. So when I think about the six, you know, the 16 years that I spent at my previous organization and the roles that I had, um, I've said before to people, I a lot of those roles didn't exist until I got there. And that is such a cool experience to have. And that's because I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was job crafting, which is uh, a term that you can look up in Google to see how it works. But job crafting is such an awesome way to re-engage with your work, to live into your purpose within your current role if you can, or grow it to something else um, to deliver value to the organization and to fulfill who you are as a person. So it's a win-win uh, for both the team member and for the organization. I, I, I love that term, job crafting. I'm doing it right now, Becky. I, I, I came back. Um, I was in a product marketing uh, managing role uh, previously. That's that's a secret. It's on my LinkedIn. And I thought that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, progress through that. Um, and when I shifted you know, organizations, it was more of a traditional product marketing role where it's messaging. I, Kudos to you. You are a fantastic writer. I cannot stand writing, uh, Becky. ChatGPT has been a lifesaver for me for correcting all of my typos and everything along those lines. Um, but I, I enjoy conversations, and that's how I fell into this with, with Talent Experience Live, and I've crafted a new role. And I think you're absolutely right. With that, it allows folks to buy into an organization because they are now 
invested. And when you, quite frankly, create your own role, it's tough to find that role elsewhere, right? Uh, from an employee per retention perspective, if you're creating a brand new, you know, employee experience a, a position or a, a social creator or whatever that is, it's probably not going to be on job boards. So uh, organizations aren't going to be, uh, you know, hopping into folks, uh, direct messages on LinkedIn or anything like that. And then if you're creating it, you have this sense of passion where you want to push it further and further and further. So I, I completely agree. Any thoughts on, on what I said there before we hop into the next, uh, maybe controversial topic? Yeah. So what I think I would say is, you know, I think where the real magic happens is having that connection with your leader. Um, our leaders aren't mind readers, you know? And so I think team members really need to take this. I mean, we think about uh, development plan, it's not the leader's responsibility that there's an individual role in that. And, and you work together to figure out what is it that makes you come alive and how can we bring that into your current work? Um, and sometimes we can't, you know, sometimes it's something that's sitting on the leader's plate that they don't enjoy doing, but that team member says, oh my gosh, I love data. Give it to me. I'm like, go for it. You know, so thinking about leaders delegating to light the fire in their team member and not just moving uh, junk off your desk to somebody else, but I mean stuff that they really enjoy, but that takes conversation and relationship building to really understand what your team member needs um, to engage with the organization. Um, and I think that that's a skill that leaders are lacking. Um, I think that the um, idea of a leader has been steadily evolving over the last several decades. And so some of these skills like empathy and servant leadership and transparency, you know, they all seem like soft words and soft skills. Um, but one of the terms that I like to use instead of soft skills um, is relational skills. And when our leaders build this connection with their direct reports, I think that's when they're able to help unlock um, potential um, in our team members. Um, and, and really to help them feel seen, heard, and valued. Um, and on an ongoing basis, like it's not once a year during appreciation week, or maybe there's a one appreciation day a year, or maybe you only ask for feedback on the annual survey. Like there needs to be an ongoing relationship, an ongoing listening strategy um, that it, again is ongoing. And, and the best place for that conversation to happen is between the team member and their leader. It's not talent management. No, you're you're absolutely right, and it's it's challenging because every individual is going to be different, right? And and how they communicate. Some folks, it may be you know via Slack message, Teams message, whatever that may be. Others, it can be an impromptu Zoom call. Some, it may be casually in the office, you know, sitting sitting next to to one another. Where I know for me, the best conversations that I have had with 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 my boss are you know, 5.30 on a Friday, just as I'm walking around my neighborhood and having a conversation. That way, for me, work is done. I don't have to worry that I'm taking, you know, the leader away from what they have to do. I may be taking them away from their family, so that's selfish of me. I, but but typically, it's okay. Um, and having those those conversations and understanding what is needed and where you can help and, and what you enjoy doing. But I bring up all of those examples, Becky, because there's a big hot button issue right now in employee experience as a whole, in quite frankly, organizations and, and work culture as a whole, and it's return to the office. And 
a lot of folks don't want to talk about it because they've hired remote employees or some people say, hey, I did my job even better when I was working from home. And I was out on a run this morning and I thought about that topic a lot. And I have, I think, a pretty good comparison of it. But I want to give you the opportunity first of what are you hearing as far as challenges when it comes to return to the office? And, and maybe what are some organizations doing to rectify that or what could they do to potentially rectify that? Yeah, I think this is a conversation in a lot of households now. <laughs> um, I have a cover. I have lots of conversations with my husband about this, with friends, um, and so there's there's a lot buzzing around this. And I think the greatest challenge that I see across industries, um, and just by my research and, and chatting with with friends, um, is that there is a real disconnect uh, between decision makers and team members, and then the messaging that follows from that, or or lack of communication that follows from that. Um, and I read an article recently that had the coolest thought, and that is that the conversation about return to office should not have to be a battle to win. Um, it, it really should be going back to listening. Um, let's talk to our team members. Let's identify business needs. So we're not saying, let's just do what they want. We're talking about listen to business needs, what's working, what's not working. And let's make decisions that are based on the work group. Um, and let's communicate it in such a way that it doesn't feel like a directive or a punishment, um, but rather an invitation uh, to connect and to collaborate and to innovate in some of those awesome things that you missed, Devin, about the about the about the office, the in-person office. Um, and a friend recently gave me advice uh, for dealing with my teenager. Um, and I thought it was really funny as I thought about her response um, because I think it relates to leaders too. So um, when my son asks me to do things, sometimes it's just not uh, the best way that he's asking me. And so she told me to use the phrase, ask me again to make me want to do it. <laughs> Um, and I thought that was pretty funny as we think about return to office. Um, so instead of just putting out a blanket communication that we're going back three days a week or we're going back five days a week, um, consider how you're communicating the value of the in-person interactions um, and treat people like adults. Um, you know, have those hard conversations if performance is suffering. Um, let's address behaviors that aren't productive. Um, let's be transparent with our decisions and let's bring our team members in to be a part of the conversation if we can those are most closely involved with the work um, and i also want to empathize our i want our leaders our decision makers to empathize with what team members um are potentially losing you know um it because i think that's where the, the battle comes in so an example that i have is um you know picking my kids up from school um i didn't get to do that for gosh, the first six, seven years, and they were in daycare since, you know, they were six months old, but I didn't get to do that. And now they're in sixth and eighth grade. And when I can pick them up from school now, I love it because I get to have conversations with my kids. And before I would pick them up at aftercare, and a lot of kids aren't going to aftercare anymore, um, but they'd be done. I couldn't even have a conversation with them because they were done for the day and they were shut down. So I don't wanna lose that, you know, I missed out on that opportunity. And so I want leaders to understand that too. Um, and then the other piece that I want to mention, because I think this might be where your head is going, Devin, is around the in-office experience needs to change. <laughs> um, we can't expect team members to return to the office only to do what they were doing at home um, and spend their, their day in front of a desk, on Zoom meetings or Teams, whatever you're using. 
I really get why team members are saying, why am I here? You know, I spent my commute uh, here and I didn't get to run this morning or, you know, I don't get to pick up my kids. So there's so much um, in play there, you know, and, and it ties back to the idea of intention. Um, organizations that are being intentional and really thinking about, you've probably heard the term moments that matter um, and using that to direct when work should be done in person to get those awesome benefits um, of in-office experience. I just feel like sometimes, uh, sometimes team members go into the office only to be let down by the experience. And I'm not saying that the leader has to go jump through all these crazy hoops and, and, and have cr you know, crazy perks offered to get them back to the office. Um, but it's about getting team members from behind their desks, um, getting them out and about and doing something different to really make it something that they want to return to instead of doing something that they could do at home and we're doing quite well. Does that make sense? It makes it makes total sense. Um, and I, I agree with you 100%. The example that popped into my head today, and it may be a bit of a stretch, but it I, I have season tickets to the New York Jets. And I have arguments with fans regularly on the in-game experience is better at home because you don't have to you know pay $12 for drinks. You uh, don't have to sit in traffic, all of those things. And I always challenge them with, I live in Philadelphia, so I don't get to commiserate when my team is bad and celebrate when my team is win with anyone else in the same boat. But when I travel up to East Rutherford, New Jersey, and I spend that time before the game where I'm chatting about what happens if we do win this week or, or you know, those sort of things and celebrating or commiserating after a loss. Sure, I could be home, and from that time of 9 a.m. To, to 1 p.m., I could get laundry done. I could prepare for next week, pick out you know clothes, whatever the case may be. Things have changed since I've become a parent where I do have to, to do a little bit more of that when I get home now. But I, I liken that to the office environment and celebrating when there is a big win with the company. That time maybe in between meetings where you catch up with folks uh, on what they did this weekend. To your point, having those kind of impromptu conversations where you get to know folks and integrate that work-life balance a bit more, where you can find out that maybe you know there there is a, a parent in your office who really wants to be there for pickup or really wants to attend the Halloween parade, but it's during a huge meeting. Those conversations are tough to have. They're easier to have when you're talking about, oh, what is your Halloween costume going to be, you know, this year or so on and so forth. So I know it's a bit of a stretch where we talk about, you know, that NFL games or that in-stadium experience. But the one thing is when things go wrong, um, I think oftentimes that can be a very lonely place. It was a lonely place for me where I didn't get that initial feedback on why my work may not have been up to, to par. And then I had to wait an hour or two hours to get on, you know, somebody's zoom call. Whereas if you're in the office, you can, you can pop by their desk and say, Hey, do you, ha when do you have a minute? Right. And say, I really want to talk to you about this. It's a lot of things I think get lost in context from that. So yes, it may not be worth it or for everyone. Some people will always want to get their work done on the couch, but those big moments where you're celebrating, those are the worth it moments from, I think a work perspective 
where as an organization, you want to make people want to be there, right? Um, to, to your point, ask me so that I, I want to, to do it this way. It's creating that environment. And no, it's not with 80,000 people and, you know, fireworks and the whole nine. It could be something as simple as, hey, we saw that email that came back, um, you know, uh, on uh, how well your, your net promoter score is or something along those lines congratulations, like share with the team on, on what went wrong. Or if it's a difficult conversation that you're having from a, a customer perspective, a customer success perspective, how did you navigate through that? I'm having the same challenge with, you know, X, Y, Z client. Talk me through how you, you got there. Those are the little things that I think you have to showcase and it's not pizza parties, right? It's not uh, happy hours or anything along those lines, but I know it's a bit out there, Becky. I want to, I want to get your thoughts on, on what you think of that. Yeah, I think what you bring up though, it's it's about pers personal preference, you know, um, and it's it's trying to figure out what's the experience that you're looking for. Um, so it, there's, and I'm gonna, I think what's similar to what you shared is another kind of uh, scenario that I'll share when someone plans um, a vacation. Um, I think that sometimes they don't step back to think about what is the experience that I want to have. They've and share that with others. You know, they've dreamed up this in their head that I want to go to Mexico and we're going to bring, you know, 25 uh, different groups and it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be magical. Well, it's not. <laughs> um, and, you know, so you, I, I think it's really being, again, intentional about really thinking about what is the experience that I want to have. And if the experience that I want to have is that I want us to collaborate as one group, then I, then I need to schedule. I need to schedule that and I need to schedule that in the office. So, going back to the vacation example, if I want everybody to be together, then maybe we need to stay in one house, you know, something like that, um, instead of being going off in separate ways and separate offices. So just kind of think of it from that perspective. But um, lots of different analogies here, but it's really, really about intention and understanding um, and then communicating the why uh, behind that. And what you expect to get out of it and then also evaluating when you don't get what you want from it and and trying to figure out well why why did that happen well it's because we didn't put any intention around bringing people together um we left it to chance um and i'm probably repeating what i said on my uh podcast years ago because this book is so um important to me and i've recommended it to a million people but it's called the power of moments and it's by chip and dan heath um and there's a whole lot of lessons in it no matter what industry you're in but it's about creating and identifying those moments of impact instead of leaving them to chance, like you get to create this. It's kind of like, you know, creating your purpose. You get to create whatever it is that you want. You have to be intentional about thinking about what that is. It's not just going to magically happen. <laughs> you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, that moments are, are, are huge. We have that book all over our office. I know for our onboarding pre-COVID, and, and we've brought it back since then, we create a moment when it's someone's first day, right? They don't just show up to a desk and we have, I think it's welcome to the jungle plays as loud as we can. Anyone who's in the office comes around and says that. And I, I know we make it a point that whether you're a remote worker or not, uh, or, or somebody who's local is to bring you on site for that so that you experience that culture firsthand. Because also you want it to be the same for everyone, right? No matter if they go back to, to their own 
you know, a kind of neighborhood or, or area of the country or even world. Um, but it's to create that that moment and, and make something special. Becky, I know we are are coming up against this has been an awesome conversation. I could talk to you for hours on end, but I'm sure you're very busy. I want to ask you two quick things. How would you recommend someone find their purpose or find their their worth it? And then the second part is, I know that the uh, the Grit Intention book is out right now, and that the I believe you said the the next installment is coming out soon. Where can folks find that to go read from your perspective as well as everyone else who collaborated on it? Yeah. All right. So, um, how do I recommend someone evaluate their purpose and their worth it? Um, I really think that it goes back to a quote that I mentioned earlier um, and asking yourself what makes you come alive. Um, really thinking about the activities that you can get lost in um, and, and some people call that flow. Um, and that's really where your, your light shines the brightest. Um, and, and remembering it may not be one thing. It may be many. They, there may be many things that light you up. Um, because there's many sources of purpose and meaning in our lives if we look for it. Um, and so I would encourage you to commit to doing more of that. Do more of that within your role if you can. That's the job crafting that I mentioned earlier. Um, or do it outside of work if you can't. Um, sometimes your role cannot be everything you want it to be. Um, I know I was having a conversation with my mom this summer. You know, growing up, she... Um, had to have jobs that didn't necessarily um, fill her soul um, because she had to have benefits for us kids. Um, but she would do things outside of work, volunteering, you know, living a life of service. And that's what um, made her feel whole because occupation may not be everything to everyone. Um, so we need to fill our cup with outside activities when we can't make it happen in our roles. And so it, maybe it's volunteering, maybe it's crafting. Um, again, it's, it's different for everyone, but if you don't spend time thinking about what makes you feel whole and intentionally making choices and working towards that, you're always going to feel a gap. Um, you're always going to feel that something is missing. And what I think is really amazing is when leaders tap into this, this need and this purpose that team members have, and help them find ways to live out their purpose at work. Again, that's where that magic happens. When you can make it happen inside of work, that's awesome. Um, it's, it's a win for both the individual and the organization. Um, and then you also, also ask, where can people get the Grit Anthology? Um, so you can just go on Amazon. Um, Tenacity doesn't come out until November 1st. I'm pretty sure that's the launch date um, for the um, Kindle version. Um, on November 1st, but you can get the hardback books um, or paperback, I should say, um, or you can uh, read any of them um, on Audible too. So, awesome. Well, th thank you so much, Becky. I really appreciate your time. Um, this has been a, a great conversation. I want to do it again um, where we are far removed from COVID. Nobody's talking about it anymore um, and we can evaluate our, our purpose, our worth it. And I, I want to follow your journey as well as you continue to create your 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 roles and and do that. I think it's absolutely wonderful and you are a wealth of knowledge. It's a pleasure talking with you every time. Um, but I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and have a, a wonderful weekend and enjoy pickup. It's my favorite part of the day is when I get to go pick up my daughter and she runs out and I, I get to give her a big hug and then 
I ask her how her day was, and she just points out puppies as we walk along the street. But she's only two, so we're we're working on it. We're we're getting there. Yeah, I wouldn't say my boys run to me with open arms to jump in my hands because they would knock me down. Um, but I, I do get to be that annoying mom of teens, and I think they secretly love it. That's, 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 that's awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you soon. See ya. That was Becky Feldman. We were talking all about uncovering what your worth it is, finding your purpose, how it applied to the employee experience, and also uh, a little bit of, you know, work from home uh, conversation, a little bit of COVID conversation, how people's, you know, roles have changed, finding your worth it, finding your purpose, how you as a leader can open those doors with individuals and have those conversations. So if you missed any of the episode, uh, you can always restart it here on LinkedIn or on YouTube or you can catch the podcast version, which will be out this afternoon on Spotify and Apple Music. But I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their day and weekend, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Town Experience Live, of course, is proudly brought to you by the good folks here at Phenom, whose purpose is to help a billion people find the right job. Our intelligent talent experience platform, which helps candidates find the right roles faster. Employees evolve in their current roles and beyond. Recruiters achieve some next level productivity and managers build better teams with data and analytics. And of course, all of this is powered by super slick artificial intelligence and machine learning. So head on over to phenom.com to learn more 